Are you ready? Are you sitting down? The Shine On Podcast 2022. I've said before and I'll say it again. Divorce affects so many people out there. The money, the property, the assets, so many high-profile divorces. The conflict, the allegations, huge legal fee and support awards, you name it. Divorce is a true team sport. Incredible insight. Not divorce stories. Shine On Podcast. Shine On Podcast. The Shine On Podcast 2022. Episode 30 of the Shine On Podcast. I'm Evan Shine. Happy Divorce Month, everybody. That's right, Producer Dave. There is a month called Divorce Month, and that month is January. Dave, this is the month when I see the divorce dominoes fall, and wow, do they fall quickly. I see the spike in new divorces, the stress from the holidays, the divorce filings, the emails that flood my inbox, and they're saying, the thought of spending another year with my spouse, it makes me ill. I can't do it. And look, we all have New Year's resolutions. For some, it's to eat healthy. For others, it's go back to the gym. For producer Dave, it's how can I make this season of the Shine On podcast even better than season one? Yes, sir. That is at the top of the New Year's resolution lists, and I'm excited for season two. No, we have amazing things ahead. But look, for people in unhappy marriages and relationships, your New Year's resolution, it's a bit different. The New Year's resolution is it's time to get a divorce and get the hell out of this relationship. And look, it's not easy. It's hard to take that leap. It's hard to take that next step. It's hard to call it quits on your marriage. There's absolutely nothing easy about facing the divorce reality. And if you're scared, you're not alone. If you're afraid of what life's going to look like, you're not alone. If you're afraid of the transition and the impact on your children, you are not alone. Ask yourself this. How can you divorce the right way? That's the question that everyone wants the answer to. Today on the Shine On Podcast, we give you that answer. On today's episode, I sit down with our two featured guests on the Shine On Podcast, Nikki DeBartolo and Ben Heltfon of Our Happy Divorce. Coming up on the other side of this week's Shine A Spotlight is my interview with our featured guests, Nikki DeBartolo and Ben Heltfon from Our Happy Divorce. Evan, it is time once again for the docket. Should we fire it up? Dave, let's do it. Let's fire it up. And now, let's see what's on the docket. We have three articles today for the docket. The first one comes to us from a publication called The Deseret News. Item one. Article headline reads, Perspective, the problem with the divorce, the so-called divorce made me better, narratives. And the author, Naomi Schaefer-Riley, sets forth the supposition that You can stay with your husband and children and still do important work. Just ask millions of American women. So taking issue in a a matter of speaking with the whole divorce made me better thing. Your thoughts on this one, Evan? Dave, let me say this. I absolutely love seeing Shine On Podcast guests mentioned in the media and article and the news. Second, I think it's absolutely wonderful when people have different opinions and thoughts and takes based on their own personal experiences. And the title of this article, you mentioned it. You dug this up. The problem with the divorce made me better narratives. The article is written, as you mentioned, by Naomi Schaefer-Riley. And the article mentions author, law professor, 
Lara Bazelon, who we had on the podcast, the kickoff season two, episode 29. And wow, go back and listen to my interview with Lara because it is as good as it gets. Listen to what she says about marriage, divorce, parenting, her work, her career, and her love for both of these things, her family and her career, and the challenges of balancing it all and her unwavering commitment to both of these things and what it meant to her. This article mentions Lara's op-ed piece in the New York Times from late 2021, which we talked about with her at length on the show. The title of the op-ed piece is Divorce Can Be an Act of Radical Self-Love. Look, this article by Naomi Riley, it's not surprising. As Lara told us, the pushback she initially received from some people. And look, when you have strong takes and opinions and you put yourself out there, it's going to happen. Lara's new book is coming out in April 2022, Ambitious Like a Mother, which goes into even more depth about what she talked about in the guest essay and on the podcast. But let me say this, Producer Dave, Mm -hmm. there is absolutely no problem with the divorce made me better narrative. Nothing at all. Because guess what? It can. Mm -hmm. You can also stay together in a marriage and also have a career and accomplish greatness. But let me take it a step further. If you actually read the op-ed and actually listen to Lara on the podcast, talk about all the things I mentioned, her marriage, divorce, what she learned, her loyalty and passion to her kids, to her career, and you listen to what motivates her, trust me, I think your take will be different. Listen to the interview. She isn't waving the go-get-divorce pom-poms. That's not it at all. It's the pro-happiness. It's the pro-loving your career. It's the pro-being present in the moment for your family and children when you're with them, and it's being present for your career also. It's about pro-recognizing when something's not working and taking the steps to change that. That's not pro-divorce. That's wanting something better, something happier. And go back and listen to the interview because I think if you do that, you'll have a much better picture of what actually motivates Lara Bazelon. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I remember Lara saying, if you choose to stay in the marriage then and that works for you, then great. And I'm not going to judge that at all. I, Having gone through the anguish of, of divorce myself and a lot of my friends who have done it, we all have the same conversation. It's like we, you torture yourself over trying to figure out what the right thing to do is. And the right thing, the, the answer is there is no right thing to do. The right thing to do is what you pick, what you pick that's going to make you the most happy, what's going to be the best for everyone in the, in the long term. So I think, yeah, what Lara was, was saying, not so much, hey, get divorced, it'll be better. It's that if you do choose to get divorced, it can be better. It can make you a happier person. Next item on the docket takes us to the world of celebrity divorce. Item two. From the New Yorker comes an article titled Kim and Kanye and Pete and Julia. And, of course, we're talking about celebrities Kim, Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, Pete Davidson, and let's see. The, the the new, let's see, Kanye's new squeeze is named... Uh, Julia. I'm going to help you out, Producer Dave. Julia okay. Fox, because Julia Fox. here's the thing. All right. Dave, you're you're proving my point. Who has the time these days <laughs> to keep up with who's dating who? Yeah. Look, 2021, it was a year for many things. Kim and Kanye's divorce filled the news headlines. But between Kim and Kanye's divorce and Pete Davidson's love life and Kanye's dream of becoming the next president of the United States, look, there's no shortage of news surrounding 
this bunch over the past few years. But producer Dave, I will tell you what, mark it in the calendar, Christmas 22. How about we send these four people, if they're not together, and I'm going to put a bet on it that they're not going to be, how about we send them one of the brain mapping personality tests that Dr. Helen Fisher, chief science advisor to Match.com created, because trust me, they need it. But in all seriousness, (laughs) check out this article in The New Yorker by Naomi Fry. It's a really good read. We have one more item for the docket, also from the world of celebrity divorces. Item three. This item comes to us from entertainmenttonightonline.com. And it's about uh, comic John Mulaney. Comic John Mulaney and Anne-Marie Tendler finalized their divorce. I'm a fan of John Mulaney, so I know he's been through some stuff. He's been in rehab, and uh, this article in ET confirms that they've officially finalized a divorce six months after he filed paperwork and a couple months after he welcomed his first child with Olivia Munn. So complicated situation. It seems Mulaney was in rehab in 2020 for 60 days, struggling with alcohol and drug abuse. Your thoughts? Yeah, Dave, my take is, look, good news all around, good news for everybody involved. The divorce process did not last all that long, which is a good thing. But how about Olivia Munn? How about this news? And look, anytime we can talk sports on the Shine On podcast, we're going to do that. But with Aaron Rodgers set to win, and he should win, another NFL MVP award, the absolute phenomenal star quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. How about this news gives Olivia Munn something else to focus on as opposed to watching the star quarterback and likely NFL MVP with the NFL playoffs officially underway? All right, Evan, you have selected another issue of the day for the segment known as Shine on Spotlight. The Shine on Spotlight. On today's episode, I'm going to shine a spotlight on finding the right attorney. I hear all the time, how do I know? How do I know? How do I know if this is the right attorney for me? How do I find the right attorney? How do I know what to ask? How do I know if this is the attorney to lead me through the divorce process? I've said it before. I'll say it again. The divorce attorney-client relationship. This may be one of the most important relationships you ever enter into. Research, do your homework, educate yourself, go into that first call, first meeting, that first consult, prepared with questions. Find someone who understands your goals. Find someone who explains things to you in a way that you can understand. And most importantly, find someone that you can trust. The divorce process is challenging. It's a roller coaster. It can be costly. It can take some time. Find an attorney who understands what's most important to you and to your family and can help you navigate the difficult path of divorce. Having worked for a legal newspaper before, I know all about the dynamic, Evan. And sadly, many people don't put don't put in the time that is necessary to figure out who is going to be a right fit for them. And we do see television ads and radio ads for lawyers and Nothing against lawyers who advertise. If that's the way you find out about a lawyer, so be it. But you you can't hire someone off of a TV ad. You can't hire someone off of just looking at their website. Would you agree with that? I would. I mean, I think it's about asking the right questions. Make a list. Do your homework. Dive deep into the, the, the search for an attorney. It's so incredibly important, and there's so much more to it than a fancy billboard or a fancy Google ad. It really is about 
educating yourself on the process, educating yourself on the attorney that you may choose to hire. There's a lot to be said about divorced couples with good relationships. It takes work. It takes time. It takes commitment. It's also pretty damn rare. As a divorce attorney, I tend to see the worst of it. The resentment, the hurt, the anger, the stubbornness, and the struggles that so many couples face before, during, and after divorce. I see great people at their worst. Our featured guests today on the Shut Up Podcast, Nikki DeBartolo and Ben Helfon of Our Happy Divorce. They chose a different path and a different way to divorce with a lack of really good resources out there on how to truly have a healthy relationship with an ex and how to effectively co-parent after a split. Nikki and Ben have become a leading resource in the divorce world. They share their experiences, their tips, their methods. Their podcast, Our Happy Divorce, is a must-listen to, and their book, Our Happy Divorce, is an absolute must-read. Nikki and Ben, welcome to the Shine Up Podcast. It's great to have you both here. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you for having us. It's an honor to be a guest on your show. It's great to have you both here, and I want to start by commending you for being able to find a way to overcome all the ugliness that is typically associated with divorce to create a better situation for your son. Your book, which we're going to dive into, Our Happy Divorce, gives great insight into so much. And we're going to get into the moments that both of you knew you wanted a divorce in a different way, divorce in a better way, and not go down the path of the stereotypical divorce filled with so much anger, so much resentment. And let's start by going back in time and kick it off. Ben, you talk openly in the book about how you initially retained the most litigious shark of a divorce attorney at the beginning. Take us back in time to that moment and when the light bulb went off for you that this was not the path that you mm-hmm. wanted to go down. Yeah, uh, uh, present, included, uh, present company excluded here for a second, but I, I, I think looking back on it and uh, you had mentioned those, the, those feelings of all the negative side of the feelings chart, right? The resentment, the anger, the, the hurt. And so when I left Nikki, I embodied all of those, uh, all of those, of those emotions. And, and I think about divorce is that there's two sides of it, right? There's the emotional side of it. And then there's the business side of it. And the two different ways that I dealt with it, one was from the emotional side and, and those negative emotions is when we decided to get divorced, I made my decisions based on the emotional side. And I first phone call I made uh, was to that shark attorney, that biggest shark attorney. If you're listening and you're getting contemplating divorce, you're going through it. I would recommend you not make that first call to that shark attorney, because at that point, there was just one objective, and that was to hurt Nikki, to make myself feel better. And I was unable to see um, any of my side of the street, any you know part that I had in the ending of the marriage. And I called that attorney, and I, he sat down. And I, I think another warning sign I would give people is in that meeting, or I think it was a phone call, actually, but... I want this. I want this. I want that. Yeah, we can get this. We can get that. We can get that. Right. And and I don't know your experience, unless you're the best attorney in the world, but I don't don't think that there's any (laughs) way that somebody can get a hundred percent of what they want in, in a divorce, in a business uh, negotiation, in, in any aspect of life. Right. So that should have been warning sign number one, but, but I went to him and with one objective, like I said, and that was to, to, to destroy Nikki and to, to make myself feel better and to help those feelings by doing so. And he was happy, he was happy to take my retainer and write up a, 
I don't know, 30 page war and peace attack plan. Um, Did I say they just changed the names on? Right, that he probably just changed the names on. And, and yet, it still cost probably, yet it still cost probably $25,000. Pretty well, close. They, that copy and paste, they should have spelled right. check that. But Brenda, right. Brenda, the light bulb went off for you pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think you mm-hmm. mentioned in the book, I think you were three pages into reviewing yeah. this memo. And then you realize, you know what? This wasn't what I wanted to do. But Nikki and Ben, when you hear from so many people that it took six months, it took a year, it took months, even after their divorce, that they wish they had that moment, Ben, when you did, and Nikki, at the beginning of, of your divorce, if it didn't go off at that moment, would things have worked out? Would the two of you be sitting here talking to me right now? It, it's an interesting question. And, and what happened was he had given me this worn piece and I had kept it. Uh, in my backpack for for a week or so and and I was on a red eye back from LA and I decided to take it out and and start reading it like you said and and I don't know what it was I don't know you know (laughs) if it was the three o'clock in the morning or the fluorescent lights on the plane really not this big of a journey right right (laughs) And, and, and I started reading it and it was the first time in a long time that I could actually get honest with myself and 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 I think it's important to point out here is I was a child of a very high conflict divorce and yet, and that should show people the emotions and how powerful they are. That I was still going to grab my son, put him on my bag, up uh, my back, and take him to down the same road that I went down. But at that moment on the plane, I read, like I said, three pages into it, and I was like, I know how this movie ends. Yeah. I know how the, the, where this road ends, and and, and so I put it away. I, I called him on Monday. I said thank you, but no thank you. And then made the second phone call, which actually Nikki was the second phone call. But the third one was to what should have been my first, and that was to a therapist. And so I I, I think that all those things combined, to answer your question, all those things combined, I don't think it would have been possible uh, for us to have the life we had, especially the part about that third phone call, which should have been my first, which was to a therapist and work on the emotional side of divorce and the hurt and the pain and all all the other stuff you mentioned work on you as i was doing for me and i don't think that if we wouldn't have worked on ourselves we would have been trying to come back as the same people just pointing fingers at each other instead of saying hey you know what i i had fault in this too Mm -hmm. it wasn't just you Mm -hmm. or it was and for him it wasn't just me i think that helped the situation a lot and it helped us see our part of it Nikki, I've said divorce is a team sport, and you both touch on really the emotional support team, the therapist, the, the team that people need to get through the divorce process. At the beginning of the divorce, how important is it for that team to be in place to address the, so many, to address all the concerns that people have, the fear, the anxiety, the unknown, the uncertainty, before they go down the divorce path? Well, I think it's I, I think it's probably the most important thing because I don't think you can survive a divorce without it. And I and I think you have to surround yourself with people that understand your love for your child. No <laughs> no offense, <laughs> but the, your your attorney doesn't love your child. I mean, yes, your therapist doesn't love your child, but she he or she will understand how much you love your child a little more than Ben Shark attorney did. <laughs> and I just think that I wouldn't have gotten through it without that because I went through the whole roller coaster of emotions of being a single mom and how am I going to do this and I'm at the point with 
much younger than I am now. So it was, it was a roller coaster of emotions for a woman to go just having so much fear on how, how am I going to do this? How did this happen? Like, how did I get to this place at such a, at a young age? I'm like, I was scared to death. So to have those people along with your family, it, it really makes a whole world of difference. When the two of you were deciding really the process and, and Ben going back to that moment, that light bulb moment for you, where you wanted to divorce in a different way, a better way for your son in, in terms of the relationship with Nikki, both of you explored different options, collaborative law, alternative dispute resolution. You realized soon into the process, you didn't want to have this knockdown, drag out divorce, which was hard to realize because of the emotion. Walk mm-hmm. us through why the process for you. And I know in the book, you talk about these coffee dates, which I absolutely love because what the two of you did, you took control of the process. And Nikki, you mentioned no divorce attorney is going to care and love your child the way the two of you ever do. And so mm-hmm. for, for, for the two of you, take us into the thought process of how you took control over your divorce and separation and what that looked like for you. Ben scared the daylights out of me. <laughs> yes. Fear and intimidation. Is that what the secret is? That, that's one way to do it. Yeah. Right. We were, I mean, our divorce started as every other divorce would start where we weren't speaking. We would text or talk through just about after when he was coming to Ben's house, when he was going to be at my house. Yeah. So I think for, for me, we weren't speaking and we were, you know, doing the same, doing the same thing that every divorce couple does and like the drop off and not looking at each other. And then one day I got a phone call from Ben and he asked me for coffee and I was like, Ooh, okay. (laughs) Like, all right, we're not speaking. And so I like called my sister. I'm like, do I go? Like what? I'm like, what if he tries to kill? I'm like, okay, he can't kill me in the middle of the coffee shop. <laughs> You're like, make sure the place is well lit. It's in a public yeah. place. It's at a Starbucks. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, and for me, I mean, I guess it, it was, it was an olive branch, but I didn't at that time know it was an olive branch because in the beginning of our divorce, in the beginning of our separation and our divorce, I went down a different path than Ben did. So my parents are still married 52, almost 53 years later. So I did not understand divorce. I didn't, I wasn't around people that were divorced. There's nobody in my immediate family that's divorced. So I was that person that was like, Oh, Holy crap. Like I am the first person in my family to get divorced. So that in itself was enough for me. Like that was scary enough for me to call my parents and be like, Oh, by the way, your youngest daughter's getting divorced. And they're like, you know what? So I always, from the start of things kept like kind of hoping in the back of my head, he'd come around. I mean, I kind of knew what he was like going through and what was going through his head, but I sort of just kept on my own little path and just hoped that he would come around. So then when he called me for coffee, I was more scared than I was relieved. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the, looking back on it, all this process of what Nikki did and what I did, and we didn't have the great resources that they're out there today. I mean, you talked about collaborative. It really wasn't part of the statute in Florida. It was sort of a new thing. But, but I think looking back on the process and, and what worked and why we're here is because we gave each other and we took time and space. And, and I think if I had gone down the path that we had started from, Nikki and I get divorced, I go find the biggest shark attorney in Tampa. And and there's no real, I don't know in, in your experience practicing, if there's an award for getting divorced the quickest um, or the fastest, right? <laughs> Except for a lifetime of misery. 
Yeah. Well, that's um, right. That's right. And in New York, getting divorced the quickest really means you're signing up for a lengthy two to three year divorce battle, which is part of it because you're right. Collaborative law and mediation, there's so many alternatives to divorce yeah. litigation. And even with the pandemic, I'm finding so many of my clients look for different ways to get divorced because litigation, you're signing up yeah. for, in many ways, limbo. You're, ben, you mentioned misery. It, it, it's a very tough process. And you're in front of judges, there's forensic evaluators, there's mm-hmm. different professionals, and, and, and you both touch on it, who are not going to care about your family, what happens, your child, they're going to mm-hmm. issue orders that they'll, they'll never be able to carve the level of detail and specificity into any court order or court decision that the two of you can sit around, have a coffee and talk through. Right. And, and I think that the, like I said, the two sides of it, the, 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 the emotional side and then the business side is we took care of the emotional side first and cleaned up some of that wreckage. And the coffee shop that Nikki was alluding to was when I had to go sort of make some repair and, and, and make amends to Nikki without any sort of expectation. Being of, a yeah, for being a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, I have to ask, how quick into that first coffee date did you remind them of that? <laughs> <laughs> I tried to be very nice. She was very nice. I tried to be very nice. The, the, the joke is when I sat down, when I came to the coffee shop, he was already there and there was coffee at the table. And I was like, oh, okay. He actually bought me the coffee that I like. So maybe this meeting isn't going to be quite so bad. Little, no, he listened bit. to the marriage. He knew exactly yeah. what you like. Right, yeah, a little exactly. disarming. But you know, the the but so so once that was taken care of, then you have the business side of it. And I think Nikki and I, just like if we're doing a business deal and on land deal, we're the business people, you know? And I think too many times people in business and, and, and in divorce and in civil is, is they don't take ownership of their right or their, their position as the business people, right? And so Nikki and I, even though we did collaborative, we tried to figure it out on our own and, and, and start with the big ticket items, right, about custody. And once Nikki said that she doesn't have any problem with joint custody 50-50, I said, really, all the other stuff can be worked out. And so over a pr- pr- period of, and I'm you not- Don't get me wrong, that killed me, say that, but, but sure. I right. knew that was the right thing to say. Right. And, and, and so over, and I don't rec- I don't know if I recommend this, I don't know if you probably not the smartest thing to do from a legal standpoint, especially with what we were dealing with, but- then we just decided to see if we could work things out, get a little lower than the big ticket, the 40,000 foot view, right? And seven, eight coffee sh- meetings later, we had our divorce worked out. Good thing we both like coffee. <laughs> and we would go to you know our respective counsel and people sure. during those meetings. But at the end of the day, the two of us sat at a table without anybody else and, and worked through our, our, our divorce and, and then gave it to the lawyers and said, type this up and put on your run, run-ons and your whereas and all your stuff and, and, and make this legal. Yeah. And, and it was, you know. Th- I mean, we weren't like, about to fight over coffee pots. No, no. Which, which I see all the time. And the problem with that is, and look, people pay an exorbitant amounts of money to their lawyers, to various professionals. And Nikki, people fight over that stuff. And it, it, it's emotion drives certain positions. And, and Nikki, you mentioned that it was hard to say to Ben, look, 50-50 custody, joint custody, that's something that you were okay with, you supported. But for so many people, emotion just controls. And people come in, they sit across from me, and they're saying, I want the house. 
I want to spend 100% of the time with my child. And look, part of an attorney's job is to manage expectations, to mm. say, look, this is what it's going to look like. No matter the process, whether it's litigation in front of a court or in any other process resolution, look, you're not going to spend 100% of the time with your child. Right. And so it, it, it's, I think it's the attorney's job to manage those expectations because otherwise you're setting your clients up for absolute failure. It's not healthy. It's not good for them. And two, three, four years down the road, that relationship is in many ways is beyond repair. Mm. Right. I mean, believe me, my heart and my stomach were saying, hell no, well, hell no, but, <laughs> but you, you're absolutely not going to have like 50, 50 custody, but my head was going, okay, this is the right thing to do. No, no one wants to be without their child. So, I mean, that was, that was probably the one of the hardest things, but absolutely. it was the right thing to do. Absolutely. Nikki, Ben, I want to ask you, because you both talk about in the book and you mentioned here the way your family impacted the way you approached the divorce. Ben, you were a child of divorced parents. How did that shape the way you approached your divorce with Nikki in terms of what you wanted both in the beginning and then what you came to realize as you started to go through the process? That's such a great question. And, and and like we talked about earlier, luckily I was able to tap into that experience at, at some point before it was too late, too late yeah. right? Once the cucumber becomes the pickle, it can never become the cucumber again. And luckily I didn't become that pickle. Well, and uh, <laughs> but, but I think the, the, the difference after that moment of clarity on, on the plane was to learn where my parents had made some mistakes in, in their process and not repeat those mistakes over. So I think the, the, the one thing when my parents were divorced or told us about the divorce, sat us down at the kitchen table, mom and dad are getting divorced. And that was it, right? That was the, the event, right? And, and there was, after the event, there was no opportunity or, or, or space for us to express our truth or our feelings or whatever it might be. And, and, and not to mention all the other nonsense of them using us as blocking and tackling tools, right? Or weaponizing us. Sure. And, and, and so as a young child, I, I started internalizing, okay, this is bad, right? And, and not really being in touch or knowing what these feelings are. I internalized it to say that I'm bad, I'm broken. And, and learning along the way, trying to speak my truth, to only be met with, oh, you love mom more or you love dad more and, and them taking it personally when I'm over here going, hey, what about, you know, what, what about, about me? What about me? So so yeah. what we did, it, it, what I tried to do, and, and Nikki was already sort of doing this or had the capacity to do it, but to always give Asher, you know, some space to express himself, right? Uh, and, and to realize just like any uh, uh, child of, uh, of a divorced couple, guess what? They have no choice in this matter. They had no choice from the beginning to the divorce. Their input was not taken or not needed or not factored uh, into that, uh, the decision. They didn't choose for us to meet, to get married, to have kids, so on and so forth. And yet they uh, sometimes get handed that emotional bill. And myself and my brothers and sisters got handed the emotional bill for us to pay when we had no choice in it. So we have tried to, to, to keep Asher, keep that in the forefront that this was not his decision. No. This was ours. And, and it's time for, you know, us to be adults and, and, and instead of the other way around, in my situation is sort of the child, the, my brothers and sisters and I became the, the adults and, and <laughs> my parents became the kids. And I think for me, I just, I didn't 
know very many people that were divorced, which is very strange because I feel like everybody's divorced now. I just think that I wanted Asher to grow up as close to the way I grew up as possible. I didn't want him to ever have to worry about his parents loving him or worrying about him loving his parents and it hurting my feelings or it hurting Ben's feelings. So that was, I mean, that was just my driving force from day one was, you know what? The only divorces I've ever seen like or ever heard of were like these horrible knockdown parents hate each other. Kids don't know, you know, where to turn and whose house they're at. Or that was just, just that was my driving force was like, my child cannot grow up that way. Nikki Ben, when you divorced, Asher was young. And now I believe he just turned 18 years 18, old. And yeah. Congratulations. I, I'm sure when I say it and you think about it, it's incredible. From when he was young to now, what have those conversations been like with him as he has gotten older? And I'm sure he's definitely asked more questions along the way. The funny thing about him is, is, is he will still tell you to this day that he wishes his parents were still there. And as much as he absolutely loves his stepmom and his stepdad, as any kid's dream, he will tell you, he wishes his parents were still together. And he will be open and honest with you about as, as great as we've made this relationship and as big as our family has become with you know both sets of parents and Ben's other two children, that it sucks and it's hard. And divorce is hard. And no matter what we did to make it easier on him, it still sucks. Yeah, and I think that is a stop, pause, and reflect on what Nikki just said. Because we wrote a book called Our Happy Divorce. Our, we have mutual friends, Susan Guthrie, you know, who, who from the beginning, when we first released the book, called us uh, the unicorns. And we live in a, a, a land of rainbow waterfalls and, and unicorns and fairies. And because it's a crazy, we couldn't even imagine it 14 years ago. I mean, we travel together. We celebrate holidays together. We yeah. do a lot of things that sometimes when you're still married, you don't like to do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so two years ago or something, we're on a fishing boat. Uh, and Asher, out of nowhere, says, you know, this divorce has been hard on me. And my first reaction was, you little, you know what, you have no idea. <laughs> I mean, that's at like 16. Right. But, you know? but, but the fact is I was able to stop and I, I try not to go off of that ego first reaction, but, but, but actually with put out all the other stuff aside, it's still just logistics of divorce, going from house to house, spending different times. And, and at the end of the day, he wants his parents together. But I think the good news with all that is he has always been given a space to speak his truth. Right. And, and speak his truth freely and open up about his emotions and not internalize it. So whether it was 16 or many times along the way, we've always sort of encouraged them to, to, to do that. And, and although it's hard to hear sometimes and it's a little painful to hear your son and then the hurt he has, but, but giving him that, 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 that space, I think, was, is key. And look, that's a credit to both of you and how, how you communicate not only with each other, but also with Azure. And I want to talk to you, Ben and Nikki, about optics, because optics, it's not always reality. And your book gives so many people really an inside, realistic perspective and look into relationships and what may a relationship look to people on the outside is not necessarily what's happening internally. And you both talk about the book in the book about communication and the struggles that each of you had. Nikki, what is it about communication 
in marriage, in relationships that is so hard and often so misunderstood? Well, I think too, I mean, you, you're taking two people that have to, just totally different ways of communicating. I mean, Ben and I have, to, he's laughing right now. <laughs> like for those that cannot see him, he is laughing. We have totally different ways of communicating. I, I am a bit more of a, he's looking at me strangely, a firecracker when it comes to communicating. Mm. Is that, a good, is that a good way of putting it? Yeah, I was thinking of a and different I, word, but yeah, firecracker. <laughs> my, that word probably started with a B. It, same, so the, it started with the same letter as uh, my name. <laughs> I just think, you know, when married or not, it, it's the same. Like, so we have the same ways of communicating now that we're not married, but it's just easier now for us to go, oh, that's just that. Oh, that's just Nikki. And believe me, as close as we are, we still fight. Like, but we fight like brother and sister now. Like we fight or I'll send him a nasty text message and be like, well, I mean, even while doing the book, I must've sent him, I don't know, 10, 10 text messages during the book being like, I'm not doing your Every book. fight we got Every into. Every fight I would say we're not, I'm not doing it. So Ben, was it really 10, was it really 10 messages or it was about 10,000? Uh, <laughs> somewhere in the middle, there's a truth there, right? But really and truly, we, we just had to understand that this is the way we are. We're not going to change the way we communicate. And we're not going to change the people that each each other are. But we're, we're stuck with each other for the rest of our lives. So we just have to deal with it. We definitely, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I just sort of like, when it comes to communication, I just kind of like fire things out. It's not necessarily the right way or the wrong way. But and I don't know how you would describe your form of communication. Emotionally challenged. So sometimes that's frustrating to me too. And, and and again, I'm not going to throw this all at my parents' feet, right? I think we're all sort of, at least I have developed these patterns over my life. And a lot of it has to do with the upbringing from my parents. And, and one of those results was about my feelings, right? Or, or they, And because as an adult or as a child, I was never really given that opportunity to, to, to talk about my feelings. Now, if I did, it was quickly shut down by you have no, just, just not very open. So for me, it's very hard to be vulnerable. It's very hard to be open. It's very hard to express hurt or express hat or whatever it is, especially with a strong woman, a, a firecracker, if you will, um, <laughs> because it, it sort of just makes me go into my hole my yeah. cave and so it's sort of the it's sort of the yin and the yang or the, the opposites that don't really sometimes they say opposites attract which is true but w with communication and with openness when you have somebody you know like Nikki and somebody like me with my upbringing and my history it just doesn't she does her thing and then I go into you know like the turtle right back in you know into the shell and because of, of whatever. So it was tough and it is still tough today. That, that's something that I still struggle with. And I want to ask you both because I know you're in wonderful relationships and I want to talk about the dynamics of that, but are there parts of the struggles that each of you had with each other in terms of communication that you've now adapted as you're both in new great relationships and marriages? Oh boy, I wish my husband was here to answer that yeah, question. Yeah, right. I'd actually love to hear his answer. He would tell you I'm exactly the same. <laughs> I think I've learned to be a lot more understanding. Sometimes I try to take a deep breath before I shout. 
but before the firecracker goes off, the, the, the fuse might be lit, but it might be dead. Right? Probably show you that I'm, that I'm probably a lot of the same. He just maybe deals with it a little differently than Ben did. Yeah, and and I think for me, I'd be lying to to say that those. I don't know if those. Uh, patterns or those character defects or whatever you want to call are going to go away. But I think that the awareness to them and, and the safety that I feel with my wife is different at some points. I think that, and it's not Nikki's fault, but I don't know if there was a lot of safety or I felt safe in expressing and being vulnerable. And, and, and with my wife, when I do walk through that fear and, and do open up and do talk about my truth, it's, it just feels sometimes safer. <laughs> Were you afraid I was going to light you on fire? <laughs> yeah, I was like, you see me over here? I was like, oh, God, I don't want to say that. <laughs> and Ben, there's something that you mentioned in your book, and I want to talk about parenting. And I love this line in the book. You say divorce helped you to become a better father. Mm. Tell us about that. Well, a divorce life, I, I, I think for me, this is just my experience. I don't grow. Uh, I'm not willing to grow when I need to be in pain. I, I think pain is the motivator for change for me throughout my life. And I've struggled in my 20s and or actually earlier 20s with, with drugs and alcohol. Luckily, I got sober at 21 and, and was motivated through desperation to change with, with that. And, and divorce was no different. Nick and I were, at a, I was at the bottom emotionally with at the end of the marriage. And at that point, it, the, the, there's a motivation, desperation for me is a motivator for change. So that 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 entails for me taking a good, honest look at my life and where I am and taking inventory and taking stock of. And that's part of the thing that I realized when I went to therapy instead of going to the lawyer was it didn't take long uh, to, to realize that I wasn't the man, I wasn't the father, I wasn't the husband that I had imagined myself to be, right? Like, my, like I, I had this moment that like, I wouldn't want to be married to me either. Uh, and, and so, so, so that for me is the motivator for change that helped me not only with Nikki and, and, and the process, but for my next relationship it, it is to realize that, okay, I can either do change and, and try to be more aware and try to be a better father, better husband, a better you know person, or I can be the same person and I'm going to get the same results. And I think that's, and you probably, not probably, you have much more experience in this is the, the statistics on the second marriage and the third marriage. Yep. And it's, it, it's because people don't change, right? right? People don't grow. They don't, they don't change. They don't grow, but, but people often don't want to change and don't yeah. want to right. grow. And to, to give you credit, you, you realized very early on, and you mentioned your struggles and everything you went through, you were in your early twenties. You had that defining moment, that period of clarity where you said you wanted life and your relationship to be different than perhaps the experience you had as a child. Yeah, and I'm very comfortable in my uncomfortability. I'm very comfortable in my patterns of of the the man, being in the cave and and the sort of not being present in life and and all that. I'm very good at that. I'm not so good at the the, the other side, right? And, and so it's an uncomfortable position, but it's something that I try to do, and and I revert back to. I mean, if you ask my wife, I'm not sitting here by any means saying that I am Mr. Effing Wonderful. But 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 there is, you know, awareness now of at least some of my some of my stuff. I think too, the fact of the matter is that when you get a divorce and you have children and you and you have fifty percent custody of your child, you can either 
fail miserably at that, those 50%, mm. or you could step up to the plate. And that's, and, and I think that, and I will say that about you, that I think that you did step up to the plate. It wasn't like you didn't just, you didn't bring in a new woman right away to take those, to take care of Asher because you didn't want to be, you wanted to be selfish and not do it yourself. But I will, I will say that. Look, that was, wow. cool. that was like I'm a, glad we got, this, awesome. we got this on tape and video. But you know, that, and Nick brings up a good point is, is, is the, the when you're living in reality and reality for me was all of a sudden I, I had oh my first, I had my apartment that I got for Asher and I and, and there wasn't like, Nick. Who's cleaning up after us? I was like, what do I do now? I got this I got this three and a half, four year old with, without Nikki, without And then I realized, okay. How much I really sort of was asleep at the wheel, and, and, and so there was about a year, year and a half there where it was just him and I, and and, and it was such a gift. It was such a it's such a gift to be able to actually see it, of sort of the blindness of what kind of father I was, but also to then just step up and, you know, take him take him on trips. And we went to visit my family in San Francisco, just the two of us sitting on a plane, and so that kind of reality check was 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 a, was a blessing. What's been the greatest think for both of you in terms of the integration and blending of the families and really how it's affected, it really impacted your son, Asher, just in a really wonderful, positive way. I think, I mean, for me, I think that we get to do like, I mean, being divorced, we get to share so many things that if we, if we didn't blend our families and we weren't, and we didn't have the relationship that, that we have that we'd miss. I mean, and I mean, I will say this, that I also have, I also get two little bonus kids that call me, they call me their stepmom because they didn't know what else to call me. So I was like, okay, this, this is good. But you know, I mean, we, what was it? Two years ago, three years ago, two years ago, maybe the summer before this whole mess started, took Asher together on a trip to Africa, just the two of us and Asher. And it was one of the best experiences of my entire life that I've ever had. And I would do it all over again tomorrow if I could. And it was one of those things that if we didn't have the relationship we have, A, our, our spouses would have been like, uh, heck no, you are not taking your <laughs> Yes, we did invite them, but because of the two younger kids and my husband's job, they couldn't come. But they were like, you two absolutely go. What a great gift that you know, would be that for is Asher. This, the best thing you can do for him. And it was one of the best experiences. And we would miss out on that. Like we would be able, we would miss out on so much if we didn't build the relationship we have today. Well, it's a credit to the two of you. It's a credit to your significant others. And you mentioned this trip was two summers ago. I have no doubt that you'll look back at this trip that the two of you took with Asher for the next five, 10, 50 years and remember that trip that the two of you took together and the impact, not only that it had on your relationship, but that it had on him. Yes, we didn't even fight. I didn't feed him to the lions or anything. I mean, we were literally gone. We were gone for almost two weeks together. <laughs> it's a long time. <laughs> but that's not to say, Ben, she didn't try to feed you to the lions. So. I mean, I no. thought about putting blood outside his tent, but I didn't. <laughs> Look, I mean, there was, a, there was a, uh, always looking behind my back. It would be like, uh, Ex-husband dies. Give me to the to the elephant. (laughs) (laughs) What's been the biggest challenge? I know you mentioned all the wonderful things and the blending of the families and and the integration. And again, it's a credit to everybody involved. But what's been the challenge for the two of you and also your spouses? 
I mean, for me, the challenge, which usually is a challenge in sort of every aspect of my life, is the ego and being able to discern truly what's best for Asher and then what the decisions being made on the ego. You yeah, know? especially with bringing somebody else into the relationships and knowing that our son is, there's another woman in his life. There's another man in his life. And you know what? The front of our brains tell us like, oh no, it's like, absolutely not. This is the worst thing that could ever happen. But then your heart tells you like, hey, you know what? It's just someone else that's going to love him. Mm -hmm. And it's just more. And I think that was one of the hardest things for me was just accepting somebody else in his life. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, like I said, we uh, obviously wrote a book 14 years later. The, uh, the life is great. We, we truly love each other and, and have this modern family and this blended family. And it's great. But, you know, still to this day, Asher will say, oh, I'm going fishing or hunting with Chad. And my first reaction is like, ooh, another guy around my son, right? I mean, this is a guy, and this is a man that I love. I mean, he's a great, he's a great person. He's a great stepdad. But it's still and it's like 13, 14 years later. <laughs> right. And it's still the same sort of visceral reaction I got when 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 they first start. So I think that the ego is the challenge yeah. uh, and sometimes reacting off of that and reacting and getting fight. Probably all of our fights, if you were to do an autopsy or postmortem on them, it usually comes down to one of us let our ego make the decisions yeah. or, or, or make the reaction. And you mentioned ego. I think that's something that probably for people starting a divorce process, whether it's the ego, Nikki, I know you started dating someone seriously before Ben. So you have the ego thing come up again at that moment. That has to be so hard. The ego, putting it aside, letting it go, starting at the beginning, I mean, during the marriage, mm -hmm. then during the divorce process. And as you both talk about for years that follow. Right. And I think too, I, I mean, and then you bring new people into the relationship and you have to deal with their egos also. Mm -hmm. you know, we just made it a point that we were like, you know what? This is what we're trying to do. We love each other, not in that way, but we love our child even more. So this is the, this is the relationship that we're trying to have. If you can't accept it and be a part of it and not be someone that's going to destroy it, then we're good. But you have to be, you have to be, open and willing to do what we do in this relationship to make this all work. Nikki Ben, your, your book, Our Happy Divorce, is filled with so many wonderful nuggets. I encourage everybody to pick up a copy and to read it. But what's the one piece of advice that you would give someone who is looking to have that positive, healthy, post-divorce relationship? I know it's probably so hard to boil it down to one thing. But that the reason that we wrote this book, well, obviously not lawyers, doctor, therapists, this isn't our career, but we just, what we're selling is hope. And, and if you would, and if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, there's no way my life would be like that because of whatever, 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 whatever you, our, our minds tell us. If you had told us 14 years ago that we would be sitting here talking to you and talking about a book that we've written called Our Happy Divorce, we would have looked at you sideways too. So let's just, you know, throw that out there. But, but, Anything is possible. But yeah, right. And, and, and then you take into consideration our two sort of alpha male uh, or alpha uh, personalities, type A personalities. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. But, but, but the one piece of advice is time um, and space. Don't rush into anything. Don't expect, Nikki and I put it this way. And this is not going to be a clinical piece of advice, but just what we did, 
at the end of the day, our secret sauce is we faked it until we made it. Yeah. And we put on our big boy pants. We sh- we sat next to each other in the beginning at Asher's sporting events, at school events. We smiled. When Nikki brought Chad along, I put on my big boy pants. I smiled. I hugged him. And, and somewhere along the line, I can't tell you when, and probably Nikki can't either, we made it. And it turned into something authentic right. and real. It didn't happen overnight, but I think the big piece of advice is fake it until you yeah, make it. Don't expect it to happen overnight. I mean, we started out just every other couple would have started. Yeah. Your big boy pants are there. They're in yep. the closet. Put them on. Have to find them. Right. <laughs> I absolutely love that. The two of you are living proof that, yes, anything is possible. You can co-parent. You can do it with love and mutual respect. I want to thank you both for coming on the Shine On podcast. This was tremendous. Tell all the listeners where they could find out all the information, the resources, the podcast, the book, how to learn about all the wonderful and incredible things that two of you were doing. Yeah, it's really difficult. So you might need a pen. Everything at Our Happy Divorce, ourhappydivorce.com, so all the socials. If, you, if you're interested in a book and just reach out to us on social media, we'll find you. This isn't something that we're doing for a living or, or for the cash and prizes. So we just want to give people an example of, of something done right. That This doesn't have to haunt you for the rest of your life. And it can be something that actually, as, as, as crazy as it sounds, turned out to be one of the best things that's ever happened to me personally. Yeah. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you. That's a wrap, everybody, on episode number 30. What a show. Absolutely phenomenal. Doc, you put together by producer Dave. <laughs> Tremendous stuff from Nikki DeBartolo and Ben Heldfont from our Happy Divorce. Thank you. To all the listeners, you can listen to the episode on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and all major podcast platforms. We are now on YouTube. Check us out. Check out the complete archive of podcast episodes from season one. We have incredible things coming up on season two this year. Follow the podcast and follow me on social media for the latest content. Head over to shineondivorce.com. Producer Dave, thanks for making the magic happen. I'm just excited to be part of the triumph that already is season two. You're in mid-season form already, Evan. That's right, Dave. And to all the listeners, send in your emails to Evan at shineandivorce.com. I'm Evan Shine. We'll talk to you again real soon.